I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Katie Pavlich, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, April 3rd, 2020. I'm Chris Foster. The coronavirus pandemic isn't just a challenge in the civilian world. Our military plans for just about every eventuality, and I'm sure they've uh, they've planned for this one as well. I'm Lisa Brady. This is a time of high anxiety for everyone, and some have a harder time coping with it. We're worried about getting the virus. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about our jobs. We're worried about our families. But for those who have mental illnesses, those worries can become all-consuming. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The military has a role to play dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. The Army Corps of Engineers putting up makeshift hospitals. There are hospital ships in New York and Los Angeles. The National Guard is deployed in all 50 states, helping with duties like drive-through testing, disinfections, traffic checks, and deliveries. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien says the virus will not distract from national security and warns anyone looking to take advantage of the crisis. Let me be clear, it would be a mistake, a mistake with terrible consequences for any adversary to attempt to do us harm during this health crisis or ever for that matter. Hundreds of troops are infected with COVID-19, with cases tripling in the last week. With these additional challenges, how do you protect the homeland? There's no question I can tell you that our military, our intelligence community is uh, entirely focused, as they always have been, on those threats to our national security. Dan Hoffman's a Fox News contributor and retired CIA station chief. Whether it's Iran or North Korea uh, or Afghanistan, terrorism, uh, proliferation, cyber hacking, uh, look, that these threats are ongoing and the work goes on in spite of, uh, of the challenges we face from, from the coronavirus. It may be some uh, changes we need to make in terms of how we're doing our mission, certainly for the military, but the work goes on for sure. Yeah, I mean, the military is going to have to adapt. Uh, they're close quarters in a lot of cases. Um, how do you practice social distancing? How, do you, how does it impact training? Right. So let's draw a distinction between social distancing and physical distancing. So what we're doing is is staying away from each other, five, six feet away from each other. But the social part is ongoing. In fact, it's even more intense than it's arguably ever been, whether you're talking about the intelligence community or the U.S. military. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Training formations where you've got people, um, you know, close, close together, uh, chow halls. Um, There's all sorts of new rules and regulations that I'm sure the military is implementing to try to limit the spread of the coronavirus. We've already seen with the uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, carrier that it's hard to do that. And this is going to be a challenge for us. But our military plans for just about every eventuality. And I'm sure they've uh, they've planned for this one as well. Thousands of sailors are taken off the USS Teddy Roosevelt aircraft carrier with dozens testing positive for COVID-19, acting Navy Secretary Thomas Modley. The situation is very dynamic and we are supporting our subordinate commanders to ensure we protect our sailors and our Marines so that they can protect the homeland and maintain their readiness to the best of our ability. The Teddy Roosevelt's docked in Guam. There could end up being outbreaks on other ships as well. To get back to your to your early question, you know, will bad actors try to take advantage of what they might perceive to be a decrease in U.S. readiness, even though our readiness hasn't decreased? So might China, which has been militarizing the South China Sea, um, take more aggressive action? We've already seen North Korea launch uh, missiles uh, in, in, in recent weeks. Um, so the United States military needs to maintain that level of readiness 
for sure it's going to be a challenge, and it's why uh, the physical distancing is so important, taking every precaution that you can, isolating those who are testing positive. I think what the military is doing, and, and, and in some ways it's a microcosm of what we're doing writ large in our nation, is testing their people, determining who might be uh, carriers of, of, of the virus, and then ensuring that those folks are, are quarantined to limit the spread. Right, and find out who may have already been infected. Uh, and once we can determine if reinfection is, isn't very likely, then maybe we can get those guys back to work. Now, uh, the Pentagon has told installations, stop reporting your cases. Uh, I guess it's just a sign. You don't want people to use that, that intelligence of how many people you have at an installation and how many people are now lost. Yeah, I mean, look, we just don't need to be advertising to the world uh, the number of our servicemen and women who are um, who have been uh, infected with the coronavirus. That that isn't anything we need to be doing. Um, I, I would highlight too, at the same time, that that's a collection requirement for our intelligence community. Look, the Chinese uh, have been vastly underreporting the severity of the coronavirus and the number of uh, Chinese who have been infected by it. The North Koreans are claiming that they have zero cases. So how uh, many cases there are in those countries, what steps they're taking, and then geopolitically, what is the impact on these countries? Iran, China, North Korea, they are brittle autocracies, and the people in those countries are for sure uh, very concerned about the, the number of the cases of the coronavirus and the fact that their governments haven't taken the proper steps to protect them in the first place and then to treat them in the second case, that could have impacts on the stability of these governments. Do you, do you, if you game this out in your head, do you see any possible uprisings in some of these more brittle uh, governments, if you want to call them governments? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've likened uh, the coronavirus to Xi Jinping's Chernobyl. You know, we saw some of the same... Um, you know, some of the same things with, with Xi Jinping as we saw with the Soviets in 1986, a, a obsequious bureaucrats who were afraid of telling the truth to the leadership, a failure to make uh, proper decisions quickly to prevent, um, the, the, you know, or, or to mitigate a disaster. I mean, the Chinese didn't take any steps that they should have taken when they first learned of the virus outbreak and put their citizens at risk as a result. Now, look, the there won't be a coronavirus commission in China, at least not a formal one, but there is one on the streets. And same thing in Iran, where the Iranians were allowing flights to and from China and took none of the steps that they should have taken to protect their people. You can add that to the long list of grievances that the Iranians have had that have resulted in protests last year, quite significant ones. And I think that, that one of the reactions we're going to be looking for once the physical distancing period is over, whenever that may happen, um, is that people may take to the streets protesting the uh, brutal Iranian dictatorship and what it's meant for the health of the population. And real quick, back to our military. We know that um, some hospitals and municipalities have complained that they're low on supplies. How prepared is the military as far as uh, protective equipment? And are they going to get first dibs on stuff like that and tests? Yeah, I think that one of the things about our military is that they try to be self-sufficient, almost operating um, separately entirely from uh, what we're doing in uh, in the private sector. Uh, so they would be having their own you know, PPE, their own hospitals, trying to take care of, of themselves as they need to. And uh, and I'm sure that, you know, months ago, look, we've known about the potential for this and how it could impact us overseas 
for months, going back to when the virus first broke in, in Wuhan, we first learned about it, and, and our intelligence community reportedly had information about it. So the military would have would have known that and would have been preparing because they deploy overseas. Even if we thought the virus not, might not have made its way to the United States, our military would have been preparing for the possibility that they might have had to face it in the South China Sea or wherever they were overseas. So, you know, this is what the military does. They've got a plan on the shelf for just about everything. And I have confidence that they're managing it extremely well, albeit, you know, given the challenges that we face. Fox News contributor Daniel N. Hoffman. Dan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, always a pleasure. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. For most of the U.S. and many other parts of the world, staying at home is the new normal. And it doesn't feel normal at all. The whirlwind of closures, cancellations, and shortages, and the staggering economic toll, all as the awful count of COVID-19 cases and deaths continues. We're never going to be the same again. We're not going to forget what happened here. The fear that we have, the anxiety that we have, that's not just going to go away. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, during one of his daily briefings this week, saying he doesn't think we'll get back to the same normal as before. But people keep finding new ways to make the best of it and help each other. Don't get too much cabin fever. Be safe. Um, hold on to you and your loved ones. And we'll make it through this one day at a time. That's one of the former students Tennessee high school teacher Drew Van Huss reached out to, posting videos online, hoping to help alleviate stress by sharing stories. But there are things we can all do to help ourselves and our families adjust. First and foremost, you need to do things that are aimed at taking care of yourself. Dr. Joshua Gordon is director of the National Institute for Mental Health. So for many of us, we're staying on top of the news, we're trying to understand what's going on, and that's great, but you also need to take breaks from the news. Set aside periods of time each day when you turn off your social media feed, you turn to a program on the television or on Netflix that's all about something fun, something to enjoy, that's number one. Number two, take care of your body. Make sure that you eat regular, well-balanced meals, get some physical activity, try to avoid using alcohol or drugs, especially if you're using to escape. That's, that's not as helpful as one might think. Um, and importantly, give yourself a full night's sleep. Another really important factor, especially since we're all physically isolated or not all of us across America, but most of us, Take some time to connect with others. Talk with people that you trust about your concerns, about how you're feeling, but also just about the everyday. And it's fortunate that in this day and age, we have lots of digital tools that we can use to help. So it's not just about the telephone. It's about texting. It's about Zoom conferences. It's about FaceTime. It's about all the different tools that we have to see each other face to face, even if we can't do it physically. That can be really important, again, to help preserve your mental well-being. Now, if you do have anxiety issues, uh, for instance, along with other issues that could come into play, um, this can really be a nightmare scenario because all of a sudden you feel like you have a lot more things to worry about. Yeah, for most of us now, we're worried. 
right? We're worried about getting the virus. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about our jobs. We're worried about our families. But for those who have mental illnesses, those worries can become all-consuming. Um, we're all feeling a little suspicious about people around us. For those of us with schizophrenia or other mental illnesses, that suspiciousness can turn into paranoia and it can really disrupt our lives. So for those people who have mental illnesses, who already know that they have a predisposition towards anxiety, depression, or, or other mental illnesses, it's really important that they also do their best to take care of themselves. That means calling your mental health provider in advance and making arrangements for telehealth visits. That means laying in a supply of medication if you're taking medication for your condition to make sure that you can make it through uh, the next month or two with adequate doses of your medicines. That means reaching out to your normal social supports and letting them know that this is a hard time for you, whether those be you know, groups, peer groups, or whether those be friends or loved ones, reach out to them, let them know that you need a little extra attention. We're all trying to reach out to the people we care about. We want to help you. So make that effort, and, and, and that's one way that you can stay well. What about the strain on relationships? How do we hmm. deal with that when it arises? Because it almost invariably will. I mean, some couples may sort of be at each other's throats and it's difficult to suddenly have the kids in the house all the time instead of some of the time, especially depending on their ages. Um, you're all kind of lumped together now and you really can't escape each other very well. Um, I mean, togetherness can be great too, but um, it may not be enough to just say, let's try to focus on the positive. So. How do you deal with that strain on family relationships? What's the best way? You are right. This is hard. And the first thing is acknowledge it's hard. Talk to your kids, talk to your spouse, talk to your partner, your parents, whoever's in the home with you and say, look, I know this is hard. Second piece is try to be flexible. Try to tolerate some deviations from what you would normally tolerate try to recognize that in 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 living in the same space you're going to have to give and take and the more that you can give the more that other people can let you take at other times so try to be flexible the third piece is when you do run into trouble talk about it recognize that hey the reason we're on each other's nerves is because we're on on top of each other let's let's talk through this let's figure out ways that we can try to avoid triggering each other Let's find different spaces in the home, even if it's just different sides of a room that we can work in. Let's try to get together and talk about the things that we're arguing about. Let's try to set up times that we focus on the kids and other times where we focus on each other or focus on work. Try to set up structures that minimize that conflict. So you know, that's, all that stuff is really important. What are some ways to make all this easier on children does it kind of parallel the recommendations for adults i know you know i've heard that the structure of the remote learning for those that are able to do remote learning at home that structure to their day is one big piece of it but are there other ways you know besides sticking to somewhat of a normal schedule um that it's that there are ways to make it easier for kids well certainly structure is important right try to have them get up at the same time Eat, eat their meals at the regular times, 
um, provide them with activities throughout the day. That's, that's important. I think another important fact that's often overlooked is that the children, in addition to just wanting to be with their classmates and playmates and wanting to engage and do things that are fun, they are also anxious. They are also going through this with us. So take some time to talk about what's going on with them. But don't expect that they have the same anxieties that you do. You might be concerned about getting the virus. You might be concerned about the economic situation or your job. But your kids might be concerned about the fact that, you know what, their best friend's birthday is next week and they're not going to be able to be there. So if you take some time to find out what's going on with them, then you can better address it. Oh, we can set up a Zoom birthday party for your friend, right? So listen to your kids, answer their questions, and that will help reduce their uh, their concerns, their anxieties about what's going on. I wanted to ask you, too, about the people on the front lines of this, the whole range of healthcare workers, first responders, scientists, too. I mean, it just seems like so much constant pressure and risk for them. What do you tell them? First thing I tell healthcare providers when I talk to them, and I am talking to them, the first thing I tell them is, thank you. We owe a huge debt of gratitude to our frontline workers, be they healthcare providers, be they police or fire or paramedics, um, home health attendants, uh, even the, the cleaning people in nursing homes and hospitals. Think about all the people that are out there working from, you know, every angle of the situation who are out there facing risk every day to help take care of people who need to be taken care of. Second thing I say is the same sorts of things that I tell everyone, which is they're also dealing with the COVID-19 epidemic from a personal and a family perspective. So take some time and allow yourself to relax, to do what you need to do to take care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be take, able to take care of others. Any closing thoughts for anyone listening who might really be starting to feel the strain of all the social distancing and the cabin fever and everything that goes with this? Because there's really no denying that the longer this goes on, the harder it gets. I would, I would say two things. Number one, this will not last forever. We don't know how long it will last, but we will get through it to the other side. The, the second thing I would say is that it is working. There is enough evidence out there that the social distancing that we are all engaging in is starting to have an effect in terms of reducing the impact of the pandemic. And so we are all heroes. We are all doing something to prevent the worst impact of this epidemic just by staying home, just by being in our homes, focusing on our families, we are all doing our part. Dr. Joshua Gordon, Director of the National Institute of Mental Health, thanks so much for your time. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity and stay well.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to the media buzz meter with Howard Kurtz. How he picks five stories, most important to the most entertaining, to the buzziest. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. So you can hear the noise outside. I'm standing in Manhattan, outside my building. And people, for several nights now, it's a nightly thing. It's 7 o'clock. This is what you hear. You hear people yelling and cheering, and it's like an alarm goes off. It's 7 p.m. Eastern, and people come out of their windows, and this is what they do. They cheer for the medical community. One guy has a some sort of mixing bowl, maybe, stainless steel, some kind of pan or pot there, and he's beating on it. There are folks with cowbells. There are people just cheering, clapping, lots and lots of clapping. Another round of cheers there, and even honking. I don't know if you guys can hear that in the background, but there's honking. And this is what people do at 7 o'clock in New York City. (laughs) And the NYPD gets involved, and they're showing their support as well. As the officer drives a cruiser past wearing a mask. And it goes on for several minutes every night at 7 o'clock. These are the sounds of New York that aren't sirens. And it's a welcome thing, honestly. These days, this is what good news sounds like in New York City. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So the Federal Trade Commission has logged over 7,000 complaints of people selling fraudulent cures to the coronavirus. These scams have netted $4.7 million, and I don't know what's scarier. That people allow themselves to be this evil or that the people who fell for it are allowed to vote. Folks, I've been covering politics for 10 years, so I am well aware that there are some silky smooth talking con men out there. But I don't care what someone tells you in a spam email or an official press release from a Nigerian prince, which are one of the same. The only place you can buy the cure is on iTunes. And no, I'm not talking about medicine. I'm talking about an 80s new wave band. If you try to buy the cure anywhere else, you'll be singing Friday I'm in debt because the only thing getting healthy is some crook's bank account. And you might get your identity stolen along the way because most of these are phishing scams. Although in fairness, the last time my identity got stolen, my credit score went up 12 points. So thanks, Ukrainian hackers. Look, folks, I get that it's a crazy time, but if we're going to beat this thing, we need to start playing smart ball. Follow the CDC's social distancing guidelines and stay home. Is it really that big a deal? Your grandparents were asked to go to war for this country. You're being asked to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. You're not being asked to save Private Ryan. You're being asked to watch Private Ryan. I think you can handle it. And while you're cruising social media on the couch, use some common sense when it comes to medical advice. If the guy offering you health tips has a neck tattoo in his profile picture, chances are he didn't study Corona. He drank Corona. 
And when life gives you lemons, you can't use them to cure a virus. So stick them in your beer and move on. If you need medical information, watch the daily briefings from the White House. The president bragged the other day that the ratings are higher than the finale of The Bachelor. And they also last longer than the couples on The Bachelor. So they've got that going for them, too. Dr. Anthony Fauci has become so popular, he was just honored with his very own bobblehead doll. Yeah, it shakes its head whenever the president talks. I'm kidding, but I'm dead serious when I tell you that we need to flatten the curve on stupidity before it flattens our bank accounts. We're going to need that money to join a gym when this is over because we've all been eating like a sumo wrestler on his cheat day. Oh, Got to run. Pizza guy's here. Check out Fox News Radio with Jimmy Fallon weekdays from noon to three on Fox News Radio and foxnewsradio.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.